Bugs, 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 bugs. Let's talk about books, baby. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about books, baby. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about books, baby. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about books, baby. Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk About Books, baby. I'm Kayla. And I'm Lindsay. I'm not going to lie to you. I almost said I'm Lindsay. I've gotten so (laughs) used to you going first. (laughs) Lindsay, I don't know about San Diego, but over here, I'm burning up like a Jonas brother. It is really hot here. Yeah. Um, I want to say it was like 85. I went to the vet today and it was like 85 degrees. My car. Why did you go to the vet? Did he eat another tennis ball? No. Okay. So we started going to to a holistic vet. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we started feeding him human food. So he eats beef and we don't do kibble anymore. But basically they did a poop sample (laughs) to just make sure that his gut health was okay. Okay. And found that he was kind of lacking in a few things. And so we went today to get some new vitamins. And then after three weeks on the vitamin regimen, they are going to inoculate him with a healthy dog's poop so that his gut health. (laughs) Your dog is getting a poop transplant. That's what you're telling me right now. Yes, he's getting a poop transplant for four weeks in a row. We're going to go in and get it transplanted to help with his gut health. And how much is this costing you? So it's $400 for the vitamins and everything. Yeah, it, it wasn't. In the poop, yeah, it's not it's not too bad, but you know we're we're committed to his overall health, and yes. that is why we're doing it. So I get it, I get it. Yeah. Benny is very very lucky. Holy cow! Yes. Well, how are you doing? Okay, funny story. The first night that I had to sleep alone here, I thought that my house was haunted because I woke up the next day to knocking and it sounded like it was knocking at my door and I was terrified. I texted my family. I was like, please tell me you're here. They're like, no, we're not there. So I went through the house. I didn't see anything. I was like, all right, clearly it's a haunting, but I'll let it slide. And then the next day again, woke me up and I told my family, I'm like, I'm swear I'm not crazy because looking at the door, I heard the noise. It sounded like my nephew was in the room next door knocking on the wall and I was pretty freaked out. And so anyways, didn't hear it for a few weeks. I was like, okay, maybe I'm just crazy. It's fine. And then yesterday morning, woke up, I was on Instagram, and then I heard the knocking. And so I took a video of it. And I was like, Okay, so you have proof. I have proof. And so I sent it to my family. I was like, I'm not crazy. And so I, like a crazy woman, started following the knocking around the house, was like, All right, it is like right here in this area. And so I decided on a whim, on a hunch, I went outside and looked at the roof from outside. And there was a GD crow hanging oh out God. on our roof. So I'm pretty sure he was just pecking at the... He's right. been hanging out at my house like like I'm a witch or something. Like he's <laughs> just been hanging out on the roof for like weeks. And I thought yeah. we were cool. I thought we were coexisting. But no, he's been trying yes, to freak me out and get me out of the house for weeks, apparently. Yeah, jokes on him though. You're never leaving the house right now. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Gosh, yeah. a little mofo. I don't even have an animal here to just like hang right. out with me. I'm just like I'm alone. So yeah. See, I I know you mentioned a cat before, but cats can see the supernatural. So you don't exactly. want a cat. No, I want a cat because I want it no. to like don't go in that room. And I'll be like, yeah. okay, 
But then you'll Noted. know. It's better not. It's better not to know. <laughs> you think so? I think it's better not to know. Okay, but here's the thing: if a cat can see the supernatural and a dog can't, if I am afraid that there's something in the other room and the dog's just going to be looking at me like you're crazy, and then he's the just going to go on licking himself. The cat's not going to do anything. Going to hiss at least. It'll be like it'll be like, hey, it's not in there. That's true. <laughs> That's just my way of thinking. What's your book today? Today, I am going to be talking about Dear Edward by Anne Napolitano. So Dear Edward is about a boy. He's 12 years old, and he is the sole survivor of a plane crash that his entire family was on and 191 other passengers, right? So he is on this plane. His family is actually moving from, I think it's New York to L.A., and basically had packed up their life. Their mom was doing some sort of TV show and the plane crashes. So we go back and forth in the story to the time on the plane leading up to the crash to Edward and the after effects of being the sole survivor of a plane crash, right? And so it's very, I thought that I was going to be really sad and like kind of depressed afterwards reading about a plane crash that killed so many people. It was actually very heartfelt and it kind of gave me the sense of like, if he could get through this traumatic experience, I can get through anything too. So it was kind of like a very inspiring, it broke my heart, definitely broke my heart, but it was also very inspiring. So for the plane crash, he his family actually called him Eddie. And then his aunt and uncle end up adopting him afterwards because they're his, the only family that he has. And of course, it's sad we hear that his aunt and uncle had been trying for kids and never had them and very heartbreaking. So then Edward comes into their life and right after the crash, they basically ask, do you want to be called Edward or, or, or Eddie? And he says, Edward. And so then from then on, he's considered Edward. Very, it's also really suspenseful because obviously we don't know why the plane crashed. So we go back and forth and leading up. So we hear about all these other people who are on the plane and kind of what they did and, and Edward's interactions with them. And the concept, the, the title, Dear Edward, comes from after the plane crash and after Edward was saved and he's at his aunt and uncle's, people start writing letters to Edward and basically kind of see him as like a not a wish granter, but like, because you survived this, there's clearly something about you. Can you do this for me? And so it's like the family of the people who crashed said like, oh, he wanted to, uh, you know, be on stage. Can you go be on stage for him? And Ooh. things like that. And so it's basically like all these wishes or, you know, things that they want to kind of be granted by Edward. And at first he doesn't read them. His uncle keeps all of these letters and, and the the book goes through quite a few years after the plane crash. Mm -hmm. um, and so we don't, he doesn't know at first. And, and then he finds the letters and he starts reading them. So obviously because of the plane crash, everybody, all the families got a check from the airline company, but Edward got the biggest one, obviously, because he was still alive. He wanted to use the money basically to help all of these families and all the people who had been affected by it without them knowing that it was from him. And so he starts like nonprofits and he he starts, he gives the money as like scholarships and things not in his name. And that's basically becomes like his purpose in life is that like he went through this traumatic experience, but because of it, he can still help everybody. 
his brother, his older brother had been on the flight as well and died. And he starts wearing his older brother's clothes and his older brother had wanted to be like a vegan. And so Edward starts doing that too. And so there's all these little like parallels where you hear about the people on the flight and then Edward kind of starts not mimicking them, but he's thinking about them too and what they were doing and what they were thinking. And it's basically like this huge profound thing. Like how could this child survive such a horrific plane crash and live to tell about it and it's like this weight of that is on his shoulders and he feels that edward also makes friends with the neighbor next door shay and she is his same age and she kind of helps him through everything because she doesn't ask him you know straight up about the plane crash she doesn't poke and prod she just lets him be and is just like i'm gonna be friends with you And basically after the plane crash, he didn't want to sleep in the room that his aunt and uncle had set up for him because it was meant to be for a child that they had lost. So it was a nursery and they had set it up with a bed and everything, but he was just, he did not feel comfortable. And so he started sleeping on the couch, but then he meets Shay, the next door neighbor, and he starts sleeping on the floor of her room. And he does this for years until her mom doesn't allow it anymore because she has become a woman gotten her period and she doesn't want him in her room at night anymore which totally understandable yeah basically edward it's his only way of sleeping was to sleep in in the room with her and so he ultimately still doesn't want the room that was the nursery and ends up um, kind of taking over the basement and making it his own room Mm um he becomes friends with principal at his school and principal at the school is a plant lover and he trusts Edward with one of his favorite plants ever because there was like a virus going around on all the plants and basically the principal wanted to save the fern and and gave it to Edward to take it out away from the virus and Mm -hmm. um, so then Edward takes care of it overall it's that's the thing is not a lot happens because we know that there's the plane crash right Mm -hmm. and It's basically just Edward afterwards. And it's so, it's definitely a coming of age book. It's, it's very much about like how he processed things and how he, how he went through everything. And it's very powerful because it's like, what would you do if you were the only survivor and your whole family died and suddenly you're living with your aunt and uncle and your life is just different. And I thought that that was a very interesting concept. It obviously has scared me to go on a plane. Um, (laughs) I'm not going to like, I'm going to try not to think about it next time I have to go on a plane. But it was a very interesting read in a way of of seeing how these things affect people. You know, I love to hear about how certain traumas affect yeah. people. And it's like, obviously, I don't want to hear about the trauma. Like, that of sucks. Course. At the site of the crash, they had built a memorial for all the people who had passed away. And it was basically these birds that that was like 191 birds that made up a shape of the plane to basically show all the people who had died in the plane crash on the site of the crash, right? He basically goes there to see the memorial. He has this thought, he's sitting there with Shay and they're, they're holding hands and he like leans over to kiss, kiss her. And he thinks about his brother because after the crash, he learned that his brother actually had a girlfriend that Edward didn't know about. Uh And she was obviously heartbroken by it. And he thought, 
his brother wouldn't want him to waste any time. Life is short and it's important to do the things that you want to do. Yeah. Because you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. It's a very, very sweet book. I glossed over so much. There's so many other characters. There's one um, named Benjamin. You know, I love the name Benjamin. (laughs) Of course. Um, Who is a military guy who's on the plane. And so he dies, but we hear in the flashbacks to the scene on the plane kind of about his life and what he was thinking in the time leading up to it. Edward meets someone who was engaged to a woman who was on the plane and everybody wants to know like, what were they doing before? What were they doing before? But he's just a 12 year old boy yeah. you know, who didn't know. And then after the plane crash, like the, the president calls him in the With hospital. The and, well, they don't specify. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I think, I don't think they specify actually, but um, like if he would well, call right now, it'd probably be like, he'd probably be pretty bummed out. He's like, Oh, yeah, it was, you're calling me. <laughs> It was 2013. It was 2013. So, okay. But basically, he like, he doesn't even process that, like, the president is calling him. Like, he just was in this crash and life is crazy for him. All these people want to ask him questions, of course, mm-hmm. you know, the police and, you know, what happened? Why did the plane crash? And so, it's a very good book. It's very thought provoking. It's sad. It's heartfelt, but it's also very inspiring. And, like, mm-hmm. it just makes you think and it makes you really want to cherish the life that you have and the people that you have in your life. So yeah, there's so much to be said about survivor's guilt. It's true. Yes. It's so, so, so true. That actually, you saying survivor's guilt makes me think of the book Final Girls Mm -hmm. by Riley Sager. Um, That one's really good. That one's like a thriller. Like I literally like wanted to shit my pants. I was so scared. But um, (laughs) (laughs) And I literally had anxiety for weeks after reading it because I got so anxious because of it. But it was basically about like the people who were like the one survivor of these crazy things shootings and and whatnot and it was all these girls who considered themselves the final girls because they were the last ones to live in these horrific traumatic events so yeah survivor's guilt how would you feel if everyone around you who you had been sitting on a plane with died in this horrific crash and you were the one person to live yeah I mean just the weight of that and then all of like the family members of the people on the crash like are coming to Edward because they think he's some sort of like God, because he was the one who lived. Like, can you tell me what they were doing? Can you tell me what they were thinking? Can you do this for me on their behalf? Because you were special because you lived. And he's like, I'm just a boy. Like, what am I supposed he's a to do? Boy. But then he he uses the money that he gets, which is very interesting too. He gets $5 million as the sole survivor of the crash. Okay. And the surviving family members only get a million dollars. And so it's, it's very interesting because obviously either way, that's a shit ton of money. But how do you put a price on life? You know, that he got $5 million. Obviously, he's set for the rest of his life. You know, he's going to go to college. Everything's going to be okay. But he wanted to use that money to supplement the payouts that the families got and do good things for the people who didn't get any. One of the ladies who died on the plane, she was just engaged to a man, you know, so he didn't get a payout. For her dying and then Jordan's girlfriend she doesn't get a payout for for him dying and so it's yeah it's he uses the money for good and and all these these things that will ultimately bring good to the world and I think that that's very important and he he uses the guilt and the feelings that he has to actually do something good and not yeah. just let it sit there and fester the concept of letting something just sit there and fester is such a dangerous thing to ruminate on what could have been 
or even just to ruminate on on yourself, on something that's going on with you. My psychology teachers, they would always say like rumination is it, it can lead to depression because you're constantly just sitting there thinking about like, what should I do? What could I have done? Like that kind of thing. And then they're like, you you can't do that. You need to you need to be able to let it go. He did people did think like, oh, is he gonna commit suicide? You know, and he he was like, I would never do that because I know that I'm here and my brother isn't. And so I want to do these things that he's not able to do anymore. And so he he really Edward understood the weight of that. And he did. He sat there and he was depressed and he was sleeping on the neighbor's floor, you know, yeah. every night. And there was this great level of depression where he couldn't even sleep and whatnot. But like, he also knew like, I can't kill myself because there's a reason that I lived. Yeah. So. He, he, in turn, he ends up living life for everyone else. Exactly. I think everyone is entitled to their sadness. We eventually grow from that. We're not just going to sit there and be like, well, I'm fine now. No, we have to feel our sadness. There's a quote. Yeah. I, I don't remember what it's from, but it's it's something like, you will never know true happiness until you felt sadness. Or it's something along yeah. those lines where it's like, you need to be able to feel the sadness and to, right. to build upon that because that's how we create strong foundations. And he became a stronger person because of it. And then also he had so much humility because he didn't just sit there and say like, well, I lived great, you know, like I'm- Right, and moved on with his life. Yeah, yeah. no, he actually lived- for everyone else, which I think is just such a beautiful thing and such an amazing thing, especially he was 12 when it happened. And it makes me feel like I would probably cry. Literally didn't give like any spoilers because the book is not even about the plot. It's about the story and it's about yeah. the feelings and the dialogue and the the back and forth between the time on the plane to now. And so if you haven't read it, I highly recommend still picking it up because yeah. you pick up the book and you know that there's a plane crash. That's not a surprise. Like that's on the back of the book. You know exactly, yeah. To. And so read it for the other stories that I didn't get to. You know, the people who were on the plane that weren't Edward and his family. Read it for them. Read it for the thoughts and feelings that Edward has throughout the time afterwards because it is just very, very beautiful. It's very beautifully done. Thanks, Lindsay. Yeah, you're welcome. <clears throat> okay, so I am doing After by Yay. Anna Todd. So After is actually also a Netflix movie. Did you watch it? I ha So I haven't watched it yet, but it's so funny because I was just watching Never Have I Ever. The girl, Davy was reading it. This book series has five books. Four of them are the book series and one of them's a prequel and it's called Before. But currently I'm going to be talking about After. So this book actually centers around Tessa, Tessa Young, and she is young and, and very innocent girl who's going to college. She has a boyfriend who's like a year younger than her, still in high school, she has her mom in the movie, played by Selma Blair. Her roommate is kind of one of those bad girls, has a lot of friends that are like the same. And she has one friend named Harden. And Harden and Tessa, they end up starting this really weird on and off relationship. She is very like kind of put off by him, but somehow also strangely attracted to him because he is a total jerk. But at the same time, he can be really civil and really kind and like understanding and stuff like that. So anyways, so she's dating this guy named Noah, but 
through the course of her time at college, she does end up getting drunk and actually kissing Harden. And so it's like, oh, God. And then the thing about Harden is that, and and they say this in the book several times, he just kind of likes to ruin things for himself. He's like, no, she can't love me or she can't like me. So I'm just going to ruin it. And he and he tells her, like, I don't date. What ends up happening is she and him do kiss. And she's like, all right, that was a mistake. And then he does it again. They kiss again. She's like, that was a mistake. There's a little bit of repetition in this book where you're like, there are some times where I'm sitting there like, okay, look, I couldn't tell you how many times they broke up and got back together because it happened a lot. Yeah. And like, that was a mistake. There's a lot of those too. But anyways, so a few of those happen. And then one day it comes to a point where she and him are out on a lake and they end up doing a little more than kissing and after that she's like all right well I guess that this is it there's going to be something between us and there's not so I think that at that point she's like you know I should be really nicer to my boyfriend I I should treat him better there's also another guy he's part of the uh, the bad boys group his name is Zed she always describes him as very beautiful which I I imagine one thing and in the movie I'm like that's not what I imagined, but like, he's good looking. That's fine. And so in the book, she has more of a relationship with Zed than in the movie. So like in the book, she's with Harden. She really likes him. But then he's constantly being like, I don't deserve you or no, like nothing can happen between us storms away. And she does kind of find a, a bit of solace with Zed because he's pretty kind and, and nice to her. Eventually, though, she and Harden try and decipher what their relationship is. And they're like, okay, we're gonna try and be friends, maybe. And in doing so, she and him she does end up kind of bringing him to his estranged father so his father is the chancellor of the school and and she's really trying to help mend that relationship between him and his family because they have this big family secret that is pretty heart-wrenching like i said so much repetition that you're like okay like i get it okay they broke up again okay they're back together (laughs) but anyways so the night that she does kind of bring him and his dad back together of course they do kind of have another little thing hello (laughs) but that next morning it's very awkward between the two of them so they get in this big fight and she storms up to her dorm and her boyfriend is there so at this point he knows that she's cheated on him he forgave her but this time Harden's like no I'm not leaving so he actually comes in squares off with her boyfriend and she does end up picking Harden So, uh which it doesn't really give anything away because it's truly like their love story like that's what the whole thing the whole book's about and that's like not that far into the book. So it's like, all right, it has to happen. They're kind of having this little relationship. She fails to tell her mother all the stuff because her mom is kind of very overbearing. Anyways, her relationship with Harden does continue. Her mom does actually threaten to cut her off if she doesn't stop seeing him in doing that he actually gets them an apartment they start living together he he tells her for a long time we should live together blah 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 and it does end up happening eventually it's just like the real a really cute story like it's a really cute progression you get to see this guy who at first is like i'm not gonna date anyone i don't want to date anyone and then to see that someone actually cares about him and loves him that's like I think that's the tipping point where it's like, oh, actually, maybe I shouldn't be such a jerk because I love her too, or I care about her too, at least, you know? It's always good to hear that someone loves you in the way that you need to be loved. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. That's what the whole book is about. It's about their relationship, about Tessa trying to 
show him that he is so loved and that he he keeps pushing people away, but really people just want to be close to him, you know, and they do want to love him. Also, though, it's kind of sad because I do find that Harden, it feels like Harden abuses her in ways, not necessarily physically, he'll just argue with her and say some pretty mean things. And I'm sitting there like, that would break my heart if someone told me that. I would just be devastated. And then the person comes back and they're like, I'm so sorry. It's like, that sounds pretty abusive to me. But thing is, like, he is hurt. He is messed up from some things. There is a family secret. I won't tell you what it is now. But actually, when you were talking about Dear Edward, it reminded me because as Harden and Tessa's relationship progresses, they start to sleep in the same room. And at some point, he does sleep in the same room as her and he starts having a night terror. And she kind of crawls into bed next to him and he stops having this night terror. She finds out later what exactly this nightmare that he has every night. But when he sleeps with her, he doesn't have it. So it's actually really sweet to to see that he's actually only able to sleep when she's around, kind of like with your book. So it's really sweet. But something that I actually found really interesting about this book. So Tessa is a virgin. She was with her boyfriend for like two years, but they never slept together. They made out, but she said it's like, it was never like super passionate or anything like that. So even from her first kiss with Harden, it was pure passion. And I want him. Eventually, obviously, it does kind of progress. And, and you know, you can tell she she wants to sleep with him. And she does. There's a whole, it's very Fifty Shades of Grey. She does a lot of different things with him. But, oh, lovely. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You have no idea. It's been a while since I've read like a true romance book, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. And I literally was like, what are they? What's going on? Because literally this, this character who's like this kind of shy, keeps to herself, blah, 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 suddenly just like shakes out her hair and is like, I want you to flip me on the bed and fuck me until I can't remember your name or whatever. And I'm like, you're like, I'm sorry. What? what? <laughs> um, excuse me? Who are you to say right? this? I literally like laughed out loud and then I had to read it to Patrick because I was like, did this really just happen in the book I just read? Because it was just so crazy. And then of course it describes everything in detail after that. Detail. I was not expecting it whatsoever. But I was like, okay, they're, get- they're getting it on. He is fucking her until she can't remember his name. <laughs> it's so weird to read these words. It was just so strange. But but the funny thing is, so like with Tess, like she didn't do anything with her past boyfriend, but then she starts having these encounters with Harden. And I think that one thing that I did learn from Harden in this book was he kind of shows her that this isn't just about me being like, okay, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna have sex with her and then I'm uh, like, and then I'm done, you know? It's right. like, no, like, you want to make sure that your partner is taken care of during this during this interaction. And so I think that it, for her, and for me reading it, I really liked it because I was like, she is in a way being taken care of in a way she's never really been taken care of. Right. Mm. <laughs> well, sexually, yes, but also in a different way. So like Tessa, her mom has told her what to do her entire life. And Tessa always thought she was just being protective. But she realizes later, like it was a little more than that. It was a little more like manipulation. She wanted to take a hold of 
every aspect of Tess's life. And so Tess really rebels against that whenever Harden tries to take control of anything in her life. She's like, no. And I'm like, I like her. And then, you know, you have Noah who, yeah, he's like really sweet and respectful. And she she's like, oh, yeah, my mom's been planning my marriage to him forever. But she has no passion for him. It's more like cute, a quick peck on the cheek and blah, blah, blah. She just she never really knew what she was missing. And so then it's like when she has Harden, he just takes care of her and he wants her to be happy when they're doing those things. Yeah. But he's he's also, he's just trying to teach her kind of like what she's been missing. Is his name a euphemism for hard you on? <laughs> I was just saying Harden. And then I was like, sounds like I'm saying hard on. And then you said it. I'm like, <laughs> I wasn't wrong. I think, I think it's the way that you just Harden. said it. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. God, hard on. Like, hard on. Hard isn't really much better now, is it, though? It's not. Um, It's not. Honestly, it's probably just as bad, if not worse. I'm sure if the author did that on purpose. Oh, I'm sure he did. Anna Todd. Like, what the heck? Naming him Richard for his dick. Exactly. Yes. And so I, I thought that that was something that was so interesting that I really appreciated during this because... I don't know. You know, you hear, you watch all these movies where they have this really intimate sex scene, right? And you're just like, all right, that's how it goes. Okay. But like, I think that the nice thing about this book is that it kind of gets into their heads and it gets into this really intimate dialogue between the two of them. And I'm like, wow, okay, he's sitting there asking her, what do you want? That's kind of an, it's a very interesting, like not to be gross, not to be like, not to be like, I'm only going to talk about the sex scenes. But that was one of my biggest takeaways was he was sitting there like, what do you want? How can I be here for you? And that's so interesting because you don't get that from movies. Right. You don't get that from well, movies. And that's yeah. the thing is because it's not sexy. It's not sexy to, to stop the sex and be like, what can I do for you? Yeah, you know, and that's not. why movies are so, you know, it's this passionate sex thing. And then you're like, okay, she couldn't have come from that. Like, there's right? no way that that, ha- that was it all. Kissed her forehead. That didn't right. happen. Oh, no. And then she orgasms. No, there's no way. And so it is good. I think it's so important that books show us these things to even just like as as a woman who was not really taught about sex and never really knew anything, I learned everything from books. Of course I did. And right? to read a book like this, like after, where it's not the details, but that it shows the importance of a woman's pleasure as well. Yeah, and like, that's yeah. very important. Oh, so important. Just the comfort of a woman being comfortable with what's going on too. So, her consent, he's, he's like... Exactly. Yes, absolutely. We were just talking about Poldark with Mr. Whitmore and Morena, and he's just a dick and a half, and just like, (laughs) she just gave birth, and he's like, my conjugal rights, and blah, 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 and it's like, uh, no, sir, you are wrong. He's raping her. He's He's 100% raping her. her. Oh, absolutely. And there is no regard whatsoever for her safety, for her Mm -hmm pleasure for her comfort and it's important that girls and women to understand sex absolutely no absolutely because we're the ones who are most affected not that men men can get raped too and be in uncomfortable situations but like it is very important for us to understand what's okay and what's not okay so, oh, sorry, no, I went on a tirade. Go back to your No, book. no, no. You are right. You are absolutely right. And I think that that's 
I mean, even when you go over to in, over into like uh, Girls in the Garden, that book that I read, yeah. again, all about male pleasure. This book is we almost always talk about blowjobs. We always talk about blowjobs in this podcast. What? Her say, she gets her say, and that is one of the things I truly love about this book. The movie doesn't necessarily touch on all of their sexual encounters. It doesn't even touch on half of them. It touches on two. That's it. And again, it's a movie sex scene. So you really don't get the importance of what you get from the book. So that's what I will say. Again, like I said, there there's a lot of on and off again with their relationship. And so at some point they are off again. She does kind of find herself cozying up to Zed a little bit to make him jealous. Ha, huh, works. At some point she and him, they do, uh, like her mom does cut her off. She ends up moving in with him. He actually gets them an apartment and it's like such, a, it's a nice apartment. It kind of seems a little studio apartment-y, but it's like a big one. And finally they can have their life together. Her mom doesn't have a say in her life anymore. Noah doesn't have a say in her life anymore. Hardin tries to have a say in her life, but she, I, I really like her. She's such a strong female character because she is all about like, no. And he's like, you're getting really used to saying no to me. And she's like, yeah, no. The thing is she should have a say in their relationship, just like he should. They should both be able to have equal say in their relationship. They end up going to his dad's wedding, which is really, really nice because he did not want to go to this wedding at all. He he didn't want to. She did kind of persuade him slowly but surely. Uh, when she goes there, she does meet his grandma. She's his girlfriend there. But it kind of does suck because at some point she and him are together. They're really cute and everything. And then she happens to come across him and his friends walking through the parking lot. And she's like, oh my God, this is their first time seeing us as a couple. And he's just like, hey, and walks past her as if they're not a couple. And so she, in her head, she's like, okay, so you haven't told anyone about us. Okay. And like, I think that that's one of those final straw moments where she's like, I can't believe it. Like you didn't tell, it's like you're ashamed of me. But anyways, I'm really glossing over it because I do want to get towards the end. She ends up finding out very big secret about their relationship. And this leaves the whole book on a cliffhanger, which I love a good cliffhanger. And it leads so seamlessly into the next book. The ending of the movie is different. It almost ties it up with a really neat bow. Uh, and what I will say about the movie is it sticks fairly closely to the book, but they do take out a lot of characters, replace them with others. In the book, there's a lot of jealousy coming from Tess because there's a character named Molly and throughout the book, she's totally enamored with Harden. He's like, she's annoying. When you first see him at one of the parties, Tess's first party, he's making out hardcore with Molly. She's, I think she's probably in her underwear and it's super duper awkward. So when Harden and Tess start getting close, Molly gets jealous, of course. Yeah, there's a lot more jealousy coming from her towards like the Molly relationship with Harden. And then obviously her relationship is quite damaged with her mom by the end of the book because, you know, she's gone through so much crap with Harden. But I will say that I think that this entire book is a love story for her life. Not only a love story between her and Harden, but also it's like a love letter to her. She finally gets to have a say in her life. She gets to stand up for herself and have some sort of a separation so that she can control her life. And on top of that, you know, her separating from her original boyfriend so that she can have the relationship that she wants. And then she does get a, a taste of that relationship with Harden. 
Um, no pun intended. So yeah, I, I mean, like, of course, I'm, I'm keeping out the spoilers, but there are some secrets swirling around in that book that you need to read the book to find out because that cliffhanger you you will need to buy both the first and second book so that you can stop the first book and go right into the second book. There's no way for you to not. I don't know how people read the first book and then had to wait for the second book. I don't know. So it's one of those. I will say the author's writing style, not my favorite. It's funny, I found some grammatical errors and I would just send them to one of my coworkers. I'd be like, hey, do you see this? Stuff like that. But the story itself is one I could not stop reading. I couldn't. Love triangles galore. There's at least two or three love triangles in this story itself. And it's a love story of two people just trying to make it out unscathed and just trying their best to love each other. There's a saying in the book, and it comes from Wuthering Heights, actually. He's more myself than I am. Whatever our souls are made of, his and mine are the same. So that is a common theme. Wuthering Heights is a common theme through this book. You know, you have Heathcliff and you have Catherine's love story and doesn't have a happy ending. And so I think that they're trying to figure out if they are Elizabeth and Darcy or if they're Heathcliff and Catherine. So basically, I think a lot of the love story is them trying to figure out if they can be apart and live happy lives or if they're destined to be together. A really good book. I, I jumped around so much, but it's because there's so much story to it. And then you have the movie where t story was told out of order. Uh, you have so many more scenes in the book than are in the movie. But yeah, it's just, it is such a fun read. Please pick it up. Tell me what you think about it. You know, remember what Tess goes through and remember that you have a say in your relationship. That is the biggest takeaway from this book. Well, you guys, thanks for listening. Rate, review, and subscribe. And remember that we will be back next week with a very special episode. We will be covering... Hunger Games! Games. <laughs> We're very excited. We are going to be covering all three of the Hunger Games books. Very exciting. Prequel is coming out the following week. And so we are feed freaking read it. Yes. And then we're going to be back the following week to discuss the prequel. Exactly. So it's exactly. going to be back-to-back -back weeks about the Hunger Games. And we're very, very excited about it. I really, really hope you guys are ready for this because I sure as hell am. Kayla and I both went to all movie premieres together. We this is, love the Hunger Games we and Hunger Games. we are here for it. <laughs> and we are ready, you guys. Mm -hmm. We are going to bring you back. We will see you next week and may the odds be ever in your favor. Goodbye. Oh my God, there's a spider. I killed it with my microphones. Oh my God. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do.